really loved by God? Are you really made perfect by Jesus? You know, you've got a lot of problems. Is there any point in trying? God's going to get tired of you eventually. Doesn't that worry you? Satan loves to play on our insecurities, and he wants to make the Christian life seem so much scarier and burdensome than it actually is. If he can't make you arrogant, he's going to make you doubt. He'll tell you so many lies that you'll be ground underneath by it. So what do we do about this? Well, the first thing that I must remember is, well, remember and believe in the grace and love of God. I must remember verses such as 1 John 4, and verses 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And verses like Romans 7, 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So according to this verse, Satan attacked Paul many times in his life. I mean, you, you can read verses like, I mean, we read verses constantly that talked about how he was anxious for the churches that he established. I mean, this is the same guy that said, don't be anxious for anything, and here he is being anxious. But when he gave into, when he gave into those temptations to sin, even though he knew better, but what did he do? He said, thanks be to God who will deliver me from this body of death, who will deliver me from Satan's lies. If Satan ever hits you with doubts about God's love for you, you can turn to Scripture and know for certain that God loves you with all of his heart. The second aspect of Satan that the Bible talks about is that he is a murderer. Jesus also says in verse 44 of John 8 that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And in 1 Peter 5, it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. God's character is about giving. He gives grace and love to people like you and me that don't deserve it, whereas Satan wants to take and devour and destroy. He wants to take your life from you. This analogy about Satan being like a lion, let's look at that for a minute. If you've ever watched the animal documentaries that come on like Disney Plus or anybody watches Animal Planet, I don't even know if that's on anymore, but if you ever watched those documentaries, uh, one of the aspects about a hunting lion is that they're very intimidating. I mean, these are powerful animals with powerful bodies and massive paws that are as big as your face. He's, they're very, very scary and intimidating. Satan also works the same way. If he can't lure you into doing something wrong, if he can't make it enticing, what's he going to do? He's going to intimidate you into doing it. You ever gone off with a crowd of people and done something that you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you felt intimidated by the crowd and the peer pressure, so you did it anyway? You ever done something just because you didn't want to feel inferior? 
not necessarily that you wanted to do it. You see, a hunting lion knows the soft spots to go for when killing its prey. And we know that Satan doesn't know everything, but one of the things that I really wish he didn't know was our soft spots. So what do we do about that? Well, James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James says that when Satan is hitting your soft spots like that, there are two things you need to do. You need to submit and you need to resist. When Satan is hitting at you, don't immediately try to kick back at him because if you do, you're going to fail. I mean, I've seen a bunch of gazelles kick back at lions when they're hunting them, and it usually, once they got them in their claws, they don't let go. go going back and going back to that, um, if you watch lions hunting animals like gazelles, which are really fast, by the way, um, if the gazelle can just keep running and running away from the lion, if he can just be fast enough to get away from him, sometimes the lion will give up from exhaustion and the gazelle will get away scot-free. Now, how we're different from gazelles is that gazelles aren't running to anything. They're just running. And they usually have to run a very long distance before the lion will give up. But fortunately for us, especially as children of God, we never have to run too far to get into God's protection. And if we keep doing that, if we keep submitting ourselves to God and his protection, like it said in James 4, Satan will eventually get so tired of having to chase us down that he'll quit, he'll flee. Now, just because a lion fails at the first hunt doesn't mean they quit eating. He will come back, but part of fighting the good fight of faith is being able to say, I will keep running back to God. I may not always do it. I'll fail a bunch of times, but if I do fail, I depend on God's mercy to give me another chance. I depend on his mercy to heal me from the wounds of Satan's claws. And next time I say, I'll keep running back. Now, when you do that, the second thing you must do is you resist. We've, uh, we've submitted to God and now we resist. I've run back to him, but now how do I resist Satan? Well, now that you're under God's wing, you do what Jesus did in Matthew 4. When Satan is taunting me to sin, I remember scripture. Notice I didn't say I, didn't, I don't read Scripture. You do read Scripture to remember it. But I remember Scripture. In every instance that Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew 4, he quoted back to Satan Scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. That is why memorizing Bible verses is so important. See, you can't form your own opinion over why you think you shouldn't do something because Satan can cut through that like paper. You have to listen to what God says, and not only that, you have to memorize it. You know, there's actually studies that show that memorizing Scripture in particular actually helps you to memorize other things a whole lot better. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I happen to think of it. When you memorize Scripture, they become your own weapons. When you use them, Satan will keep fleeing. Now, the third and final aspect of Satan that the Bible talks about is Satan is a ruler. You know, in the family of God, it's kind of appalling to think of Satan as being a ruler of any kind. But in 2 Corinthians 4, he's called the God of this world. 
It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. It's a mouthful. Who is the image of God? Satan's role in being the God of this world is to blind people to Christ. Satan was thrown out of heaven for trying to take God's place and be God himself. And now, since he can't have that glory, he's trying to blind everyone else to that same glory. And when you worship someone who tries to blind you to truth, such as the creator of this world, the creator of your soul, loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And when you worship someone who blinds you to commandments such as whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. When you have people that worship someone like that, is it any wonder that we have the struggles that we face every day? Is it any wonder that there are people out there who are struggling to find their purpose in life? When there are people who turn to a God that blinds them to the truth of Jesus, that's what inevitably happens. But the good news is that Satan's kingdom is a temporary kingdom. It may last for thousands of years, but that's still temporary. And that's still a blink of an eye compared to how long the kingdom of Jesus will last. The sufferings that we endure from Satan and his kingdom don't compare to the glory that we'll be a part of later on. So now that we've taken a little bit of time to remember what Satan is, Keep your focus on God. Keep your eye on Him. And if you're ever sitting in the dumps wondering why some of the bad things that happen to you happen, don't forget that Satan is actively working against you. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on Him. Remember His love for you, and you will make it through. The uh, future of the Lord's church uh, is bright. Amen. Um, I want to thank you gentlemen uh, for your dependability, for your servant hearts, um, and for your friendship. Um, thank you guys so much tonight. Um, it is interesting and shocking to me to go back to Romans chapter 5 uh, when we read about um, the condition that we were in on the day that Christ uh, gave his life for us, long before we were ever on this planet. If you read Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 6 through 10, it, uh, dis it dis discusses us as helpless, ungodly, as our souls is enslaved to sin, as our souls is enemies of God. I don't know about you, but I've never considered myself, even um, before I was baptized, I've never considered myself God's enemy. It's even tough to a tough phrase to get out, um, but that's what sin makes us, God's enemy. Um, it puts us at odds with the goodness of God. It puts us at odds with the beauty and the perfection of God. Thankfully for us, a sinless Christ came to this earth to put his sin, our sins on his back. I still think about that song, uh, that devotional song, Can He Still Feel the Nails Every Time I Fail? Can He Hear the Crowds Cry Crucify? Am I causing him pain when I know I've got to change because I just can't bear the thought of, of hurting him? Tonight, uh, wherever you are in your Christian walk, uh, we want to offer the invitation to you right now. We're thankful to, uh, to say that 
Christ did take his, your sin and my sin upon himself and that he's extended his love and he's offered the invitation for us to be friends. If you've not obeyed the, 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 the gospel, if you've not obeyed God's plan tonight, the plan of salvation, we're here to study with you. We're here to celebrate with you uh, and, and the angels as well as you hear the word in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, as you believe the word in Mark chapter 5 or Mark chapter 16, verse 16, you repent and confess in Acts 2, 38. And not only that, uh, and to come to realize uh, a God that a Christ that died for you and for me in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and then to put him on in baptism and uh, to repent, to completely turn away for the remission of your sin and to live a new life dedicated to him. If you've uh, been baptized and uh, you have sin that is uh, affecting your life, that is affecting your home, um, affecting your soul, we're here to pray for you. If you've not been baptized, uh, we're here to share the gospel with you tonight, and we uh, give you the invitation tonight with open arms. If there's any way we can help you at all, won't you come as we stand and as we sing? seated. If there is anyone who is not able to be here this morning and partake of the Lord's Supper uh, is prepared for you in room 204 and one of the elders will be there to serve you. Um, if you need that, um, we'll sing uh, song 313, The Old Rugged Cross, and during that song, if you need to, uh, just go out and exit to the door on the right. 313, An Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far
for attending worship uh, tonight. Uh, our next services will be on Wednesday night at 6.30 uh, and Sunday mornings at uh, class at 9.30 and worship at uh, 10.30. Uh, again, thank you for coming out tonight. Uh, as we, let's all sing and we'll sing uh, two verses of uh, 8.52 when the roll is called at the altar. And we'll be led in closing prayer by plate glass after those. Verses one and three. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saints shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll let us labor o'er the pleasure from the dunghill setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous loving care. Then when all this life is over and our work on earth is done, when the world is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the will bow with me. Dear Heavenly Lord, um, we come before you tonight thankful that you have seen it fit to bless us with another day of life on this earth. And God, we pray that this day, and as well as many other days, will be the first of many we have to uh, cherish on this earth. But with that being said, God, we also pray that you 
let us never grow ignorant of the fact just how minuscule our time on this side of reality truly is. In Christ's name, amen.